0: Hey y'all, this is Charlie and we are living, loving, laughing in grace. And guess what? I got a true story for you. Our last podcast, I only got through the first verse that the Lord had given me for y'all. I tell you what, why is that, I wonder? Because we have the God of much more. Amen? Much more and much more and much more. He's always got so much more for us than we can possibly imagine. His love just has no bounds. It knows no ends. My friend, I want to share something with you until you come to the point where you have such a revelation of God's love and grace that you realize you haven't even begun to understand or have a revelation of God's love or grace. You need a greater revelation of God's love and grace. Did I confuse you? <laughs> I mean, His love and grace is just so immense, my friends, that it would—it's going to take all of eternity. I believe that that's what it's going to be like. We're going to just be constantly. Filled with his love. I mean, every day here, we can ask for a fresh revelation. And should we live a thousand years? We'll just barely be tasting how much he loves us, how great his grace is towards us. Do you know the Bible even says that he is preparing this huge galactic universal show of his grace? That's what he's preparing for us as believers, my friends, as children of God, we are meant to look forward to our Jesus look forward to seeing our Savior's face and look forward to this incredible show of grace he has for us not look forward to death not look forward to condemnation we're not looking forward to the antichrist or to this problem or to that problem we're looking up my friends put our faces up look towards the heavens look where our Savior he will be coming to get us so we look forward to all that the father has for us, that he's prepared for us, my friends. And we're celebrating today. We're celebrating now, right? What what made the payment for that? What has made all that possible for us? And that's the sacrifice of the son of God, God himself. Amen. And all the fullness and the riches of that, everything that he has given to us through that and done for us, all that we have become. My friends, we have become children of God. We have become the righteousness of God. We have become children of light. Hallelujah. And this is where we, we got this far (laughs) last time. And now we're going to start there again. Romans 4, 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our justification. So we see right there, it tells us that it was a great exchange, my friend. The greatest exchange of all human history took place at the cross where the perfect, sinless Son of God became our sin so that we can become His righteousness. And He was raised up out of the grave declaring that we are for all time justified. And you know, even in what we call the, the passion, everything that Jesus went through leading up to, to the cross and even the cross itself, even in all of those events there, the Lord gives us the very picture and portrayal of this, of this uh, transaction, of this exchange. He shows it to us very clearly, this is what you deserve and this is what you get. And it starts, uh, we're going to look at the account in Matthew 27. And this is after Jesus has been brought before Pontius Pilate. So he was arrested by the Jewish uh, leaders and their guards, their temple guards. He's already been kept through the night in the, in the house, the prison under the, of the high priest. And I've been there, my friends, to the home of the high priest in this day and time in Israel. And underneath his home in the basement, he had a dungeon. Shackles in the wall where Jesus was kept overnight. My friend, how fallen they were that their high priest had a dungeon in his home. His job was to represent God to the people, to accept the sacrifices, to put them on the altar so that the people could be blameless before God and receive his blessings and now he has a very dungeon in his home. That would be like if your pastor had a dungeon in his basement. But sometimes we have dungeons in our hearts, right? Where we keep people and we refuse to let them out. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus even took that for us. So he's already been kept there. The, the, the Jewish temple guards have already beaten him, mocked him made fun of him, humiliated him, and now they bring him out to Pontius Pilate in the morning and because he's the Roman governor and the Romans were actually in charge at the time. And when he brings him to Pontius Pilate, you know, Pontius Pilate did not want to crucify Jesus. He didn't even want to punish him. Read the Gospels, my friends. He saw that this was an innocent man and it even says that he knew that the Pharisees had brought Jesus to him because they were envious. They were envious. And so they brought Jesus to him. So he was seeking a way to let Jesus go. And at the Passover, he had a tradition where he would release to them a prisoner. This is something that he did for them every year. And so his hope is that he can convince the people to ask for Jesus back. And that's, and that's where we're, we're picking up. In Matthew 27, verse 15, it says, Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Now in Mark's account, it tells us that Barabbas is a murderer and he led a rebellion. So just think about that he led a rebellion so he like epitomizes rebellion and he is a murderer it says he was a notorious prisoner so when the people gathered together pilate said to them whom do you want me to release for you barabbas or jesus who is called christ for he knew that they that because of envy they had handed him over While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, "'Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him.'" And she's referring to Jesus, of course. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, "'Which of the two do you want me to release for you?' And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, "'Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ?' they all said, crucify him. And he said, why, what evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the ground, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people said, his blood shall be on us. And on our children. And it has been my friends. Jesus came. Jesus is a Jew. He is our Jewish Messiah. And he came to the Jewish people. And they traded him away. They gave him up. And then wonder. Don't understand. Why these past 2,000 years. They have suffered so greatly. Under the hand of one nation. Under another. Under another. Under another. Because they removed their protection. And see, the devil hates the Jewish people because Jesus came as a Jew. He hates them. He wants to destroy them. And they removed their protection when they removed Jesus. But my friends, Jesus has not forgotten about his Jewish brothers. And he will come again. And He will come to them and the Bible says they will see that He is their Savior and they will weep, my friends. And it is beginning to happen in Israel already, a revival there. And my friends, we need to pray for great revival in Israel because, of course, our future is tied up in the Jewish nation. Jesus isn't coming until His people have received Him. My friends, you want Jesus to come pray for your Jewish brothers and sisters. And to boot, the Bible says that blessed are those who bless them. They're God's people. My friends are like our half brothers, right? Because we got the same, we got the same God right now, the same father. We just don't have the same mother yet because they're still under the law of Moses. And we have the law. We have the mother of grace. So pray for them. So then Pontius Pilate released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. So here we see what happened. Barabbas, who was a murderer, a notorious uh, a thief and a murderer and, and led a rebellion. He's let go. No punishment. Doesn't pay a thing. It's just let to walk free. And Jesus, who had never done a thing wrong, is forced to take his place And receives the punishment that Barabbas deserved. My friends, Barabbas is each and every one of us. If you think, well, I've never murdered anyone. Jesus said, if you've ever had anger in your heart, you've committed murder. That's his standard of holiness. If you've ever looked at another person and lusted for them, you've committed adultery unless they are your spouse. If you've ever allowed someone, even if it wasn't a direct lie, but you knew they got the wrong idea and you let them have the wrong idea, God calls it a lie. My friends, we're all like Barabbas. In fact, the Bible even says in Ephesians chapter 2, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Barabbas was a man of wrath, just like us. What is he reminding us? He's reminding us that, yes, now we are alive in Christ Jesus. But remember, you were once just like all those other people. My friend, we can't look at other unbelievers and think, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like them. I'm so glad I don't do this. I'm so glad I don't. Because we once were. Amen. It is only by the grace of God that we even had the wisdom to know that we needed a savior. And then it is Jesus that goes to work in us, transforming us. The Bible says, as we behold his glory, his spirit transforms us into his same glory. My friend, it's nothing to do with us. So you see, we all were Barabbas. And I love to watch the Mel Gibson's The Passion every Good Friday. I can, to be honest, I can only stomach it about once a year. But I love to watch it, and, and, and I encourage you to also to watch it because even though it still, still doesn't come close to the suffering Jesus actually endured, it gives us a, a visual. It helps us to imagine. And the scene where they bring out Barabbas, and he's just horrible. Horrible. He's horrible and once he realizes that he's going free he gloats about it right he he himself turns and begins mocking Jesus and i and i'm wa- watching the movie and i think oh i just i just want to hit that guy right <laughs> but then i think and i remember but that's me and that's you Barabbas' exchange for Jesus is just an example of what took place when Jesus became your Savior and my Savior. I was the notorious sinner. My friend, you were the notorious sinner who deserved to be punished, scourged, beat, humiliated, and crucified. But Jesus took all of that for us. This, my friends, is grace. This is the grace of God. This is the extent of his love for you. And Jesus did it willingly. The Bible says no man, Jesus said no man could take my life from me. My friend, he had many, many chances that he could have stopped the whole thing. Pontius Pilate asked him to just give him a word Because he didn't want to crucify him. When the guards first came to get Jesus, he said, whom do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And they all fell to the ground under the power and the weight and the glory of his name. He said, you can have me, but let these others go. Always defending us, my friends. Always protecting us. Always thinking of us. And his disciples ran away as he stood there and waited, waited for them to get back up off the ground so they could arrest him. No, my friends, nobody took his life. He chose to lay it down. He knew what waited him and he chose to take it so that you and I could go free. So that you and I could be reconciled to God so that you and I could live this life with his undeserved, unmerited favor. We stand on favor ground, my friends. When you fall, you fall on favor ground. So we see through what happened between Barabbas and Jesus, the very example of the exchange that was going on. So after after this Pontius Pilate Handed Jesus over. So as we've talked about before, everything that we see Jesus experience was an exchange. Take your time when you're reading through the Gospels. You know, and and just one little line, there can be so much. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. But after having Jesus scourged, my friends, it makes it, it makes it sound like it's such a, almost such a little thing. Like, oh, he was just scourged and we move right, excuse me, we move right along. And that's why I encourage you to watch the passion so you can get some idea of a Roman scourging. In the, in the movie, they have two different, two different soldiers so that even as So the lashes from the one strikes Jesus, while he's pulling his hand back, the other one comes on. So there's no break, there's no reprieve. It's just lash after lash after lash after lash. And you can study what a Roman scourging was like. Many, many people died just from the scourging. And it was actually a Roman law that nobody was ever scourged and crucified. These were two high level forms of punishment. Crucifixion was their, their capital punishment. So why did Jesus get both? Well, Pontius Pilate, you can, you can read it in John's account. Pontius Pilate thought if he had Jesus scourged, he had him scourged and then he brought him back out to the people. And he thought if the people saw him in the state with his flesh just ripped off of his body. My friends, the Bible says that he was so scourged, his flesh was so ripped apart that you could see every single bone. Every single bone. Why? Because by his stripes, we have been healed with each stripe. He was taking cancer. The next stripe, he was taking tumors. He was taking heart disease. The next stripe, he was taking migraines, and headaches. The next stripe, he was taking diabetes. The next stripe, he was taking chronic fatigue. The next stripe, he was taking lupus. The next stripe, he was taking, see your sickness, see your pain, see your disease. The next stripe, he was taking COVID. Stripe, after stripe, after stripe, my friends, he was taking our infirmities so that by his stripes, we are healed. Pontius Pilate had his motive. He was hoping it would send Jesus free, that he would present this man to the people and they would take pity and mercy on him and let him go. And instead they looked at him and it's as if it enraged them even more. And they cried out, crucify him. But long before Pontius Pilate and Isaiah, it told us that this would happen. It also tells us that Jesus was beaten so badly, you could not even tell that he was a man anymore. Why did Jesus suffer all this? My friends, to bring us health and wholeness. Don't let the devil rob you from what Jesus has already paid for. He tells us things like, oh, you wouldn't have this condition if God didn't want you to. My friends, God has paid the price for your healing. God gave you this to teach you a lesson. My friends, the Bible itself says that the Bible is what God uses to teach us. And it doesn't make any sense. I hear people say that, oh, God gave me this sickness or this disease to teach me a lesson, but they go to the doctor. So you're trying to get out of the lesson God's trying to teach you? No, because even in your heart, it doesn't make sense. We want to be healthy because God designed us to be healthy. And Jesus paid a very high price to make us healthy. When you are receiving communion, my friends, and I encourage you, I watch the Passion and I immediately follow it up by receiving communion with those vivid images still in my mind, picturing how my Jesus suffered. How he suffered so that I could be made healthy. So that I could be made whole. I look at what he's done, the price he's paid his broken body. My friends, that's what the bread, that's what the body in the communion, in the Lord's Supper is for. He said, My body shall be broken for you. And then it was broken more than any man's ever has been, ever will be. He broke his body for us. When you are receiving, Take a moment, see that, that Jesus is the one handing you this bread and handing you this cup. He's handing you his healing, your healing. He's handing you his strength, his youth, his life, the perfect health that he walked in through his broken body. And when he hands you the cup, he's reminding you that you are forgiven, that you are righteous. My friends, nowhere does it tell us that when we come to the Lord's Supper that we're meant to ask for anything. We're meant to celebrate and give thanks for what those elements represent. They represent that we're forgiven, that we're made righteous, and that we're made healthy. And receive, my friends. Receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And once again, we are running out of time. And I'm going to have to let you go. But as this is going to come out, uh, I do, my friends, I encourage you to get a hold of that movie. Watch it. See if you can get someone to join you together or listen to this podcast together. Listen to it again. Especially, my friends, if you are suffering from any kind of physical ailment. But here's the thing. Don't wait till you are suffering from a physical ailment. Every time we partake of the the body of our Lord, we are partaking of the very life and health of God himself. The world is condemned, my friends. The condemnation of sickness and death came into the world when Adam sinned. So it's just, it's in the world. It's not from God. It's a result of the fall. But God has special gifts for his children, my friends. And he gave us this gift. It is a gift we're just meant to receive. Where we come together and receive his body and see that it is broken for our healing and receive his blood and see that we have been forgiven, that we have been made righteous. My friends, if you're struggling with a sin or feeling defeated or condemned or guilty, I also encourage you, come to the Lord's Supper. That's what the blood is there for, to remind you of who you really are, what Jesus has already done for you. Give him the thanks and the praise, and you will see the victory in your life. The Bible says that every time we receive the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming his death until he comes. Why do we want to proclaim his death? Because it's our victory. Why until he comes? Because once he comes, we don't need to anymore. (laughs) Amen. My friends, proclaim his death until he comes to call us up. Because then we'll be giving a perfect body. The Bible says that's all we're waiting on is for this body is going to be, is gonna be um, completely transformed into a new body just like his risen body. Hallelujah. All right, I really got to let you go now. It's so hard, right? It's so hard for me to find a way to let you go. Uh, but I do, I, I, I just, once again, I pray that this is blessing you. Uh, that you are getting ready to celebrate an incredible Resurrection Sunday. Uh, my friend, if you don't have your own church to go to, or even if you do, I like getting extras, right? I want to invite you to, to join me at my church at GraceRevOnline.com. We're going to have an amazing Resurrection Sunday service. Again, that is GraceRev, as in Grace and R E V Online.com. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time of worship and just getting an incredible word from my senior pastor, Pastor Joseph Prince. So my friends, I got to let you go. All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and grant you peace. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, my friends. Until next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.